0: Ladies and gentlemen, family and friends from around the country and literally around the world, this is another episode with your host, David J. Harris Jr. And today, friends, I have uh, a gentleman that I've met, a gentleman that a good friend of mine, one of my prayer intercessors, actually said, "You need to meet this man. I think you guys would would uh, would connect on a great level. We connected at a couple of events over the last uh, year, and he's somebody that i I would like to call a friend and definitely a friend of this current administration uh, and a friend of of uh, the police. He's somebody that has trained law enforcement officers. We uh, got into it a little bit, not in a bad way, but just in open dialogue, which I think is so needed in today's culture, more open, honest dialogue, listening to what the other person has to say and share and trying to understand why they share that. Uh, I shared a video where um, Rashard Brooks was shot and killed by police just recently after tussling with the police, after flinging one of the cops over his shoulder, punching one of them in the face, took his taser from him, took it from a police officer, took off and ran, then pointed that taser behind him as he was running, shot that taser at an officer, and was then fatally shot himself by the police. It led to mass rioting in uh, the city of Atlanta, in Georgia, and so many people are jumping on the bandwagon so many so many people are saying oh it's more you know proof that cops are racist they're shooting black people for no reason i I say that's hogwash race had nothing to do with it this guy was belligerent drunk shouldn't have resisted arrest and that wouldn't have led to his uh his untimely demise he'd still be alive he'd woken up the next day in jail in a drunk tank and would have had to handle whatever judgment was laid down for him but uh victor and in the video i actually shared maybe less force could have been used Maybe I don't know. Officers should be should be taught to shoot in a leg or shoot somewhere that may not kill the individual. Victor had a little different take on that, and so I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna read his bio, but I'm gonna go ahead and bring Victor on right now, and uh, and then I'll read his bio because it's a good one, and I want everybody to hear it. But thank you so so much, Victor Marks, for joining me today, my brother. How are you doing? Doing great. Thank you, David, for having me on. Appreciate you appreciate
1: your stand you take the courage that you consistently display and uh your ability to provide civil discourse it's it's needed in this day and age
0: well thank you brother that's what i try to do and your bio is pretty amazing i'm going to read it for everybody here you are a high risk humanitarian with successful missions in iraq syria north africa and southeast asia many times in non-permissive and high threat environments helping orphans And widows. I mean, you, you're like the modern day Robin Hood, uh, except you're dealing with some very, very, uh, very ferocious and, uh, evil individuals. Severely abused and tortured as a child by the time you graduated from high school, uh, his lifestyle was filled with drugs, fights, and theft. The discipline of military life and his faith helped him recover from his traumatic childhood and empowers him to help Others Today, Victor focuses his attention to the plights of those affected by ISIS, troubled juvenile offenders, and supporting military personnel from all branches, including Special Operations Community. So, Victor, you you know what you're talking about when it comes to violence, when it comes to police violence, when it comes to uh, violent threats. I mean, dealing with ISIS and non-permissive zones, if you had been caught, I'm sure you would have been ca- tortured and, you know, decapitated or any of those things. You You've been in the thick of it. Uh, fighting for orphans, fighting for children. So I, I wanna honor you and commend you for that, my brother. Thank you so much for the life that you've chosen to lead. I know it hasn't been an easy one, but uh, it's been one very worth worth living and, and we should all honor you for that.
1: Thank you, I, I appreciate the kind words and it's an honor to do what we do. And I'm surrounded by great team members um, and a lot of people praying for us who support our work as well, and uh, again, it's, it's an honor and privilege to do what we do.
0: Well, again, I'm so thankful for it. Uh, so I, I shared in that video yesterday, obviously this is all over mainstream media right now, Rashard Brooks uh, getting shot by that police officer. We've seen the video, we've seen the footage, we've seen the story behind it. Um, you know, he was drunk, he resisted arrest, he tried to run, he wound up tussling with two police officers, flipped one of them over his shoulder, uh, took his taser, jabbed one of them, threw a jab and struck one of the officers in the face before he then turned and ran. Now the, the, discrepancy the division between so many people there's so many people on the conservative side that are saying well you know what uh, he was using uh, he was right to use excessive force the cop was right to shoot him because he fired a taser at him I know a good friend of mine Brandon Tatum ex-officer he actually said you know it's if the if the taser would have hit a cop uh, then it could have decapacitated the, t- the, the, the police officer and then there could have been you know more damage done to the officer my my take on that is well, there were two officers. There was one guy. He was running away. Potentially, maybe less excessive force, maybe less deadly force could have been used on this guy that was just being arrested for DUI. Uh, what is your take on the whole thing? Could have been less excessive force. Was it was it uh, right? Rightly used. What's your take? Well, I can only give my perspective from you know
1: uh, years of training. Law enforcement and working in and with criminal elements uh, on a number of levels, right? Uh, But I can't give a position of a law enforcement officer. Yeah. Um, And those situations are very unique, each and every one. But what I can say with a level of confidence is that there could have been a different outcome. And there'll be lots of speculation, you know. Uh, back to the point where the gentleman shouldn't have been drinking, shouldn't have passed out, right? Uh, The whole conflict could have been avoided, uh, but it wasn't. So what could be done different? Um, uh, One, I commend the officers for doing what I believe they felt was best. I don't think there was nefarious actions. I don't think there was any aspect of racism. You can listen to the conversation and the, uh, the initial officer is polite he's respectful um, and everything was going pretty good until the moment, until the moment he went to arrest him and put hands on. And that's when things turned
0: sideways. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. he would still be alive today had, had he just allowed those officers to do their job and arrest somebody that fell asleep drunk while in the car while still in a drive-through, uh, at a, at a, at a Wendy's. I mean, he, he would right. still be alive had he just held his own, you know, held up to his own responsibilities, owned up to his own responsibilities. He'd still be alive period.
1: Agreed. Uh, I mean, agreed. So what could have been done different once, you know, once the step was taken to arrest the gentleman? well, I would say this, and again, I'm going to get different perspectives from uh, everything, from uh, a perspective of special operations community guys who have served, done a lot of apprehending, hunting, and killing, to uh, standard law enforcement that must abide by policies and procedures. Uh, that's that's how they operate, right? And um, so one. I believe if the officer would have put the gentleman in a constrained or restricted hold through a risk control lock, that might have detoured him possibly from bouncing. But when you go to put cuffs on someone, no matter how compliant they've been up to that point, when people feel metal or know, wow, I'm about to get arrested, a lot of times that that's the moment when things start to happen, right? and i think uh from a martial arts standpoint or control tactics or wrist tactics he should have put him in a in a very secure wrist hold while he was cuffing him
0: i didn't see that happen that have been yeah, i didn't see that happen either yeah Two. And, and i and i know the hold you're talking about because i haven't always been the uh the good individual that i am right now i actually did get a dui back in 2000 uh, barely blew blew over the legal limit back then but I remember that feeling when that officer put my wrist in a locking position where I really couldn't move and uh, then the cuffs right. went on and I went in the car yeah
1: you know we're dealing with suspects whether you're in the the, the military in a combative zone police law enforcement or a civilian in self defense you know there's different ways to, to operate and and we have different rules right i mean i'm i'm actually a lot more freer to use force in a way if i feel threatened in the street than actually a police officer because there's under so much scrutiny and that's if there's one thing i want people to realize today is that i believe training and policies should be different than what they are right now Mm. right now because what you end up having uh, is two officers trying to gain control of a this suspect and it started getting bad real quick here's how for your viewers and listeners here's how it could have been different if one of the officers would have been allowed to apply a corroded restraint hold meaning apply pressure to stop the blood from going to the brain for just a a small amount of time, it would have rendered him unconscious. There wouldn't have been fighting. There wouldn't have been used to pull out a taser. The guy wouldn't have run away. He would have been unconscious long enough for the officers to handcuff him, and then he would come to, easy enough. And yet, right now in our country, I mean, I I just I just saw some reports. There's a massive movement to take away any type of Uh, courted uh, restraint holds on people because of what happened. Now, this is largely due to people being ill-informed and people making policy that really don't know what they're talking about. Talk to the officers. Talk to the people who have boots on the ground doing the deal and say, what do you best need to make the best arrest, the safest, and allows you to protect yourself and your gun, right? Because officers, once they're always going hands on, they're always concerned about the weapon. And you can't just roll around all day. But I'll tell you, there is a systemic problem, I would say, in law enforcement overall with the lack of training, uh, extensive training for both groundwork, arrest tactics, really equipping them to be ready to do the deal. And I would say this, under the Obama Uh, era, a lot of police tactics were changed, just like military, some policy and, and I don't think it was in the best interest of not only the police but the community because when someone's not able to do their job most effectively, everyone then becomes at a greater risk of a negative outcome so I do believe that if we started rolling back this movement to To keep officers from using and being trained in a way that will help them overcome, uh, you know, using some of the best techniques, I believe, are out there. Here's my point. You know, everybody's making a big hoo-ha about, uh, again, neck restraints, uh, you know, very It's not against the wind. It's not against the air pipe. It's against the blood. How many guys have died? in the MMA world over the last 20 years because of a, a well-applied crowded, you know, uh, a hold. Yeah. None it, that I know of, you know? Uh, yeah. Right. It's because they have proper training. They're professional. What they do. Yeah. They know where to let go. To a good friend today. Yeah. Who has made many, many arrests, uh, as a, as a, I would say, a smaller uh, stature fella uh, against big guys in the hood, right? And But he was a Marine, he has black belt in jujitsu, and it really came over when it comes time to put hands on for a safe, effective arrest uh, because he has knocked out so many guys uh, just with a properly applied uh, uh, again pressure against the sides of the neck not the throat and
0: yeah um, chokehold it's it's and, it's like a chokehold
1: yeah we even try to be careful with the semantics of it i know i could tell it 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 makes people why well, you're gonna choke him so we call it you know there's different names corded restraint yeah um, but it is very look you know um, I, i've been in a tussle or two uh over a number of years. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's much easier to get a person, uh, compliant uh, through the, the, I call it the anesthesia effect because <laughs> they basically go to sleep and they'll wake up thinking, I've had guys wake up going, where, where am I? Uh, I thought I was at my grandmother's house riding a bicycle. <laughs> uh, you could have been, but you're here now. Uh and I, I, even had a the forest character show up to my home one time, and uh, and attack me. Right? They knocked on the wrong door. Well, it, 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 you know, I would have just rather enjoyed my coffee without, you know, a little bit of exercise that morning. But I, you know, I, I didn't want to just start pounding this guy, and he was, he was a very capable fighter. But the problem is he had been he got you know, he, I think he'd been liquored up all night by the time we got to my house on that liquored courage and and uh, and here's the deal I put him in this restraint hold I had him on the ground I said, Hey, man, you need to you need to calm down. You know, hey, I I ain't got nothing against you. He he was just he had heard about me and whatever.
0: He's come to fight.
1: He just—he just, he just he literally said, came
0: to your house to look for a fight because he was all liquored up and thought he was bad and wanted to go yeah. pick a pick a fight with somebody that is a real badass.
1: Well, I, you know, I, uh, th- that's arguably a statement where I, you know, I just say I, I feel like more like Mr. Bean with a little bit of training uh, over my <laughs> lifetime. But um, I put him in this hole and I'm like, hey man, you, you need to, you need to really. You need to stop, rethink this. And he goes, You cannot choke me. I've learned the secrets of power of my neck and throat. <laughs> you cannot put-. and I'm and I've got him like this. I'm going really? And he goes yeah, so so he went to hit me and I you know, boom he was asleep. And when he came to, David he instantly goes, I told you, I told you, you couldn't put me out And I said, Oh, well you were he got up and he came at me again and this time put him on the ground put him out live a little bit longer because you can you know there's good control and then I actually pulled him across my property leaned him against a fence and then just kind of tapped his face and when he woke up he goes I told you you couldn't and he started looking around I said yeah we were on that side a few minutes ago I said, uh, you know, uh, wow, we need to stop this nonsense before somebody gets really hurt. You know, and, and, and to his cred the next day he called me said, thank you for not taking advantage of me. He goes, hmm. I was drunk, and you put me out twice, and you could have rearranged me pretty good, uh, but you didn't. I said, well, I'd rather not, you know. And, again, this goes back to good training. Right. I had good training and I love passing that training on, and officers need that. I mean, most officers will go to the range to qualify, and they're shooting maybe, depending on the department, six times a year. But, I mean, they won't go in the dojo or the training hall to practice and train for rest techniques, you know, weaponless uh, control. And that's, I mean, that that's a huge problem, and I'm telling you, if those two guys had been trained better or if the policy of the department allowed them to use certain techniques in weaponless defense this would have turned out different it wouldn't have escalated you know yeah and um so th- i mean that's my main point and while there's a huge movement to defund um uh, police uh which which will be an absolutely horrible decision of a disaster. That if our country, if our country doesn't, if our politicians, if our people, if our leaders, including pastors who have a voice, if people don't stand up and start saying, "No, this isn't going to happen," uh, uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt. And um, you know, people worried about the the zombie you know attack i go we've lived it overseas we've lived in areas where isis has decimated everything literally the last pump into iraq my wife and i we led a team into syria to an isis confinement camp wow and uh again we're trying to do counter messaging to help women and children come out of this mindset uh so they don't turn around and you know do horrible things but in america There are people who do not have the best motives in mind for Americans. And that's what we all have to remember. Yeah. One thing nobody's talking about, David, and I'll tell you, is ISIS terrorists really they really excel in times of chaos. Mm. And United States had everybody had better had better stay awake. Uh, for what can happen, because I'll tell you, if bad things happen, a lot of these young people who are in these protests who really don't give a flip about the black community, because you just ask them, well, were you friends before? Will you uh, will you be friends after, or is this just a way for you to, you know, exude your youthfulness in ridiculous ways? I went to a protest when they were tearing down a statue. In New York, they were tearing down statues in New York. And actually, my, some of my team members, we were walking through and I had my dog and cops were everywhere. And I went, wow, I think I'll go join the protest. And I walked <laughs> in the middle and I sat down with a group of these, you know, pretty committed protesters. And I had my dog and we sat down and I go, hey, uh, what are y'all protesting? And they go, the the statue. We want that statue torn down. I said, Oh wow. Well where is it? And they were like, Well, we think it's over on like fifty third or somewhere. We no no where it know. is, but Yeah. And all these cops in right gear and I said, Wow. Well, I said, I really like y'all's moxie. I mean, y'all are out here very committed. They're like, Yes, yeah and I said, You know what? We need y'all's we need y'all's energy and youthfulness. In Iraq, because we go to camps where kids and women have been abused and tortured and hurt and refugee and IDPs. And we need y'all to come over there and show some love to these people who really need it. And they were like, really? I go, yeah. would you want to make a difference in someone's life right away? And again, I think most of this, you know, I tell people I, I'm not a fan of the Black Lives Matter organization. Uh, or movement but I do appreciate the message they're wanting better and I'm always to help people do better but you've got to base your goals on on truth and not just perception because perception mm. is the is people's reality and it can really skew what needs to be done so um, and keep issues separate you know um, I really believe that the law enforcement, Right now they need our support more than anything.
0: Absolutely. When
1: you, when you have officers walking off the job because leadership is not covering them, not protecting them, you got a problem. And I think if anything needs to change in law enforcement is, is better leadership because the politics and the the pressure that certain leaders feel, many of them turn, many of them turn weak and if you're going to turn weak how do you protect and support your 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 troops out on the front line so that's one thing another thing i i really do think training there should be a accountability level and a change in training uh, structure where police officers who are going to be on the street in contact with people need to be able to handle themselves well need yeah. i mean you know we I think we've hired a lot of people to be guards
0: Mm. and
1: not warriors and you need Mm. warriors out there. And, um, uh, men and women who go, Hey, the moment I put that belt on or get into that car move, I, I need to be able, ready and able to scrap to be able to get a person under control to protect themselves, the public or myself. Right. So, we're lacking that, uh, people. We've we've done a lot of training and certain aspects of, you know, sensitivity training, but sometimes you know you got to be able to hurt people's feelings to to protect them from hurting others, and I think we lack that sorely. So most law enforcement people I know, really, I the ninety nine percent, I would say, is a is accurate uh they work hard they do their job but without support without i would say better funding for what will matter and helping them our country's going to be in a hurt lock
0: for sure now you said something a minute ago you said uh that obama underneath the obama administration he had made some changes uh in policies that actually hurt or damaged uh the police and what they were able to do can you expound on that
1: Yeah, police and military. Let's start with uh, this aspect, uh, because right now uh, I travel to military bases and I speak on resiliency, spiritual fitness, and I help both uh, active duty who are uh, training new recruits. And then I speak to the actual recruits because a lot of people don't realize just in the army, they change their training cycle they almost doubled the amount of time it takes to create a soldier, hmm. because of what culture and society has produced in a lot of young people. Let Let's start there, okay? So, uh, in in the old days, like when I went through the Marine Corps back, uh, actually, my Commander in Chief was President Reagan. So. <clears throat> That wow. thing me, and I'm proud of it. <laughs> Tell people, we use uh, gunpowder and wagon wheels to uh, do our assaulting. But <laughs> it, you, you know what? Young people coming into the military today, they don't have resiliency. So if you yell mm-hmm. at them, if you you know <clears throat> put pressure on them, they collapse. If right. you go, you know, yell at them, <laughs> they go, I know. And then they they quickly go to this suicidal mentality. Well, I'm not going to make you, and I can't. Hmm. So I'm helping to retrain the approach to getting better results from the cadre and people who have to work with the next generation right And uh, I think policing uh, under the Obama administration just like he did to the military, he really gutted and took away the power of spirituality hmm. the the incredible like the chaplaincy corps he, he, he really undid them and did not allow them to do their job. So, uh, hey, I believe we need to love everybody, but our love's gotta be based in truth. Yes. And, um, you know, this moral relativism doesn't work. So what's true for me, but doesn't have to be true for you. No, there's gotta be a baseline of what's right and wrong. And, um, you know, otherwise <clears throat> crazy things happen just like prayer was taken out of school now we started our ministry you know almost 20 years ago reaching children kids teens who've been incarcerated in our country and i mean we've we've given away probably close to 100,000 copies of my book or my story because it relates to them but i remember how odd it was where i couldn't go into a public school and talk about god because of the change of society but youth prisons with felons. I mean, they would tell me, Hey, if you want to talk about God, Jesus, anything you want. And I thought, well, I think if we would have done more about talking about God and giving morals and, and <clears throat> in the public school system, there'd be less kids here. Absolutely. there would be, uh, you know, less broken families. So yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of a lot of policies that, uh, president Obama put into place and, um, and yet, I think we're able to change, um, change the direction that we've been in the area of spirituality. Again, <clears throat> I think faith will make a big difference in uh, in police forcing. I mean, I just got a text this morning saying, Victor, our our police department, where this particular text came from, they go, you know, our officers need help with just mental health, right? Hmm. So one of the things that we excel in uh, is trauma-based recovery, healing both for vets, civilians, law enforcement, and people who encounter, like someone just sent me a text, an officer that's been on point up in the Seattle area with all that stuff, uh, a veteran is struggling more mentally now, emotionally, than his tours overseas. Wow. Because it's it's so messed up uh, so I'll, I'll tell you we need to bring faith in as a component to help law enforcement uh, we need to build resiliency uh and we need to reward people who stand in the gap between the manifestation of evil uh, and us we need to reward them through pay through letting it be known it's a great career that's honorable to be in and then those who are in it that shouldn't be well it's just like uh being in any specialized unit you you know you may get in it but doesn't mean you're going to stay in it and there needs to be that real honest self-policing and it's hard because you get chided working against just negative people every day every you know and then you want to protect your own uh but we we need to get to a place to where a level of uh, professionalism is not only required, but it's demanded uh, yes. so that officers um, are in a better place to do their job better. Again, through training, yes. I think better pay, better selection, qualification, uh, even outside sourcing to come in, to have a, a third party assess their arrest tactics, their control techniques. Um, you know that's outside of the apartment to make people go well, I need to pass that and this may hurt some people's feelings and um, and that's okay but you know what cops that are out of shape they 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 need to not be on the street you know they if they if they're long and or young and out of shape they need they need a we need better rigorous fitness um, for, and I'll give you, I, I, I don't want to, I'll just say this. I assisted a, uh, an officer <clears throat> um, not long ago uh, and I'm branding a suspect. They were in a fight and the officer was about to draw his weapon. And I just happened <clears throat> to be there and my dog on uh, at the right time. <clears throat> and uh, the, the assisting officer who came on the scene, he was he was in the chase, but he was a long way away. And this this very good man probably had a number of years in, and I respect him. But by the time he got to where we were, his his breathing was so labored. He's hunched over, and he literally couldn't even assist. And he pulls his cuffs out and hands them to me and says, "Can you cuff the guy?" I go, wow! Yeah, no, no problem. And again, you know, at a certain point, you have to do self-assessment. I mean, I'm currently uh, on a five-week getaway writing a book with uh, co-writing with the book Chad Robichaud, who was in special operations and Marine, and runs an incredible organization, um, Mighty Oaks, and and he's also uh, a founding. Chairman of Faith-Based Service Alliance, right, for veterans, huh. which is new that I'm part of. And we're writing a book on leadership in the, the first point, which is we're basing on 11 principles of Marine Corps. Leadership is self-assessment, you know, self-awareness. you you got to be able to really ask yourself. And and men get prideful or we get stuck in a system that, you know, doesn't keep us at our peak but allows for diminished uh, professionalism both physically and mentally and and in the job of law enforcement you can't and, and I, look I'll just tell them myself because <clears throat> uh, you know there there was a situation uh, not long ago where ISIS was still active in a location in Iraq and we were going in to, to help uh, specifically women and children but we were in a, a very heated combat zone and and uh, some of our team as needed will wear a proper kit or carry weapons to defend ourselves. uh we're not there to engage the enemy that was never our goal but sometimes we were forced to and here's the point i remember leaning against the wall pulling on a ak mag and changing mags and you know a weapon platform that i had and i was struggling to get the magazine into the ak you know magazine well Uh, And it wasn't because of the way it's shaped. It's because my hand and arm was so weak. I had had compressed neck issues in my arm and atrophied so bad. It was hard for me to hold a cup of coffee. And I remember trying to load this mag. You know what, I sat there going, what are you doing? You you need, you know, you've just become a liability for the team. Wow. You're leading them, but you gotta be honest with yourself. You can't hide this anymore. And actually, after that pump, after that time in, I came back to the States, and as I lead our organization, and and by the encouragement of my wife.
0: Thank God said, for godly times. and bold and courageous women.
1: Oh man, thank goodness. Uh, yeah, I had <laughs> surgery, and I uh, was able to re- regain the strength and all that. So, the, but my point is this, you know, in any profession, especially, where uh, people have to protect and serve the community, Uh, law enforcement officers need to do honest assessments. Um, And, you know, better training, better selection, qualification uh, will help them in what they do and better funding.
0: Yeah, it's, it's pretty scary that we're in a time right now where so many Democrats are pushing for defunding the police. And then to hear what you shared about your friend that reached out to you from Seattle, a veteran uh, LEO that is now more mentally distraught than when they spent time overseas, the mental drain and strain on our law enforcement officers, not only dealing with what's happening in their city, potentially in their own cities, but then having to hear what's taking place in other cities, that's gotta be a strain. And then to hear that politicians and city councils like in Minneapolis, are voting to and pushing to defund the police um, it's it's putting the entire police department uh, across the country the the entire police force in jeopardy and then who's going to want to join the police i mean you think about it another generation from now 10 20 years from now when people are when law enforcement officers are retiring Who right now out there is gonna wanna fill the shoes of a law enforcement officer to protect and serve their community when they see the way that law enforcement officers are being treated uh, and talked about today by the mainstream media?
1: I agree. You know, words create worlds, right, David? And uh, we need to be very careful what's communicated through our words and honor and courage And the level of commitment uh, that law enforcement officers take when they step in the job, we we need to celebrate that, right? We need to celebrate the 99% of encounters that they have with the public are are good and positive. And, you know, everything going on right now, it is a good time uh, because, like I wrote on my social media platforms, I said, I don't think this is going away anytime soon. Hmm. And uh, the incident in Atlanta, all it did was refuel what the antagonists want. And uh, we have to be solution oriented so that the future generations do have a very solid, respectable, honorable profession in law enforcement. Uh, yes. in all aspects. You, know, you think about the SWAT team or the you know reaction teams that that have walked out and resigned because yeah. they didn't have great leadership. The people who are going to pay for this are older people, Uh, you know, uh, me and my single females, single females. We're trained. I mean, my wife, we've literally learned to fight back to back spiritually and physically. You know, we have black belts. We have training. We, you know, all of that. But the people are going to pay the price are those who aren't capable because nefarious criminals will, they're, they're just going to take advantage of all this. So when you seek solutions, leaders and people who even repost stuff, they need to really think through, what am I communicating? What am I adding to? Is it solution oriented? And I'll give you a great example. I've got very good friends um, who are in ministry at pastors and a, a good friend, a fellow Marine Uh, he's been pastoring for years, um, good guy, really good guy. We're in our conversation and he said, Victor, you know, you better be careful because right now, if you're just posting on fatherlessness in the black community, uh, you know, black on black crime, uh, you know, these different things, he said, if you're only focusing on that at this particular time, although those are true issues. He goes, why don't you just weep with the black community over loss, over recognition of what problems there have been occurred. And he said, you know, it doesn't mean you have to give up truth, but can't you just hurt with us? And I said, absolutely. I said, it was never my intention to think not or not that I did. Even when I saw the officer, when I first reviewed that video of him being shot, I—they broke my heart. I mean, literally, I'm thinking this is, this is a dad. This is a man. Uh, he's a human soul. And if we don't go back to looking at people as created in the image of God, everyone has value, no matter left, right, black, white, rich, poor, whatever. Christian, yes. Muslim, atheist. If we don't look at people as being created in the image of God, then you become a terrorist organization in your mind. You mm. become a terrorist because there is no value. and um, You know, and it doesn't mean we appease or, or because there's a lot of that going on. And I, I, I wish a lot more men in ministry would take a stand for what they blatantly know is not right instead of just appeasing. But. Uh, to be solution-oriented, we, we we can't rule out love. And that's what I appreciate about you. You, you bring it around to, hey, ultimately, what is this about, right? And uh, we're all going to die. And uh, it is our job to um, you know, exhibit the love of Christ, uh, help men, and women understand that they're loved and valued. And I think Help them understand their identity. Guess one of the yes. biggest problems, right? Is who are you? Uh, the, does a cop feel the need because he was smacked in the face or is taser taken? It, you know, is he really responding um, because he fears for this guy could hurt other people, or is he responding out of you're not going to do that to me and losing his anger? Mm. I don't know. I don't know him, right? But I know yeah, that does will never happen. Know. Right, uh, is uh, was uh, was the gentleman who resisted arrest and fought and, and all that was? Did he was he transferring his anger against these two guys? Going, this ain't gonna happen to me. You can't, you know. Uh, we, we don't know, but I'll tell you, we need to start looking at everybody as being humans, and in help people find their identity and value. Should people be responsible for their actions all the time? Do I yes. believe in justice? Ask ISIS. As I sat in the Pentagon speaking to senior leadership, and they were asking me questions about certain aspects of leadership, and and uh, and I thought, well, why why are you guys asking me? And they go, well, you're the only one at the table that has an ISIS headband, and that you brought wow. back from Iraq. I thought, oh, well, I, yeah, okay, but you know. The the basic core of leadership is we have to take care of people that are under us, people that work with us, people that look up to us, and then as a Christian, are we not supposed to show love even to our enemy? So uh, I I yes. think that's a good starting place. Listen, hear, keep our boundaries. You know, hold people accountable. Uh, but uh, it's it's almost like in fighting. When you're really comfortable and somebody's threatening you, it's not, it's, it doesn't really get to you.
0: Doesn't feel threatening. Because you're
1: knowing, well, no, it's like, well, there's only air and probably fear on your part in between. You know, and you, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had encounters where some guy wants to get with it, and I'm like, hey, I got scar tissue older than you, young man.
0: What, why do you want to do this?
1: You know, one or both of us end up in the hospital. I remember one guy came into one of my training centers, and he came in, he was ready to fight me. And uh, I was like, whoa. And he, he had his master behind him. It was like a movie, honestly. And uh, he goes, I'm here to challenge you. I saw you on TV. Blah, 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 blah. And I was like, really? I said, well, what do I get out of it if I, if I win? And he goes, <laughs> you can say you beat me. I said, well, I've I've had years of, you know, I've had years of all I want, you know. And I said, is there any other way out of this? Because you look pretty tuned up. He goes, well, you can yield. I said, yield? What what does that mean? And I actually got him to sit down next to me. I said, can we sit down? I've just been working. I'm kind of tired. I got him to sit down, right? I'm de-escalating. Yeah. And then I used verbal judo. And I'm like, what should I? He says, well, yield. I said, what does that mean? He goes, you just say I yield, and then I win. I go, and we don't have to fight? He goes, right. I go, oh, well, I yield. He jumped <laughs> up, and he, he bowed to me, and he shook my hand. And he said, thank you, sir. And I, wow. and I said, I think you're a little bit more worried than I was about all this. And he walked out because he had, you know, so You know, I I think, too, it wouldn't be a great thing if people in our culture really valued older people's wisdom.
0: Absolutely. I mean,
1: and and insight, because there is so much the younger generation can draw down. If they just humble themselves and just listen. Yeah. That's been about me for my whole life. I mean, I've gone into, you know, care facilities for senior citizens. Don't know anybody and go to the little day room and go pull up a chair. Hey, how you doing? And I'm like, you know, uh, just start a conversation. What'd you do with your life? Yeah. Wow. Tell me about you, you know? and
0: Yeah, there's a whole know, lot, lot of wisdom in those fo- in those homes.
1: Oh man, I would draw so much wisdom out of these people. Mm. And it was an honor for me. So yeah, I, 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 I certainly think there's great things for the future if, uh, and again, I'll just speak to Christians uh, or people of moral values and faith, uh, you know, you don't always have to pound a person to make something happen. You can use the anesthesia to accomplish what you want and 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 being able to get to a solution. So, you know, so we're, we're building out a training center at Colorado Springs and, and uh, we're, we're going to be offering training. Uh, all for, uh, for law enforcement, special operations, church security teams, husband and wives, men who wanna come. And we'll teach everything from A to Z on how people can be better prepared. And really remember, I'm always talking about finding their identity, be comfortable with who they are. And uh, and I think if we, if we start better selection and qualification in the law enforcement community and equipping those who are already there, Helping young guys become good warriors, um, and what if, what if there's no other choice in many cities, but to take some of the funding from, uh, you know, a department and reallocate it to develop some type of additional partnership with people who could do community policing? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, what if that's not an option any longer? it will happen we have to think through some of these things and and be prepared to step into that position uh with well-trained people who can help you know they live in the community there's responsibilities accountability there's love there's you know there's there's there are more ways to do it and i think law enforcement knowing that the community respects them a lot more and it's for them and they don't have to get out their car every time and wonder if this guy's going to jump out and shoot me uh again i've lived i've lived some things overseas where i've sat on with a senior islamic leader who signed the the, the doctor degree of the leader vices wow and developed a relationship with him wow and he was the one who took me to a place where persecuted Christians in Iraq had fled. And he walked me into this place and he said, these are your people. What are you going to do? Wow. And we were able to get many, many Christian persecuted Christian families who were fleeing get them out of the country to a different country in the region safely. And so I I just think good communication, civil dialogue, facts not just perception of reality and uh can help our country which is uh, in many ways imploding in different cities and we see it and it you know um, I, I think the grace of god and if people last thing i'll say i think if people christians will humble themselves before god mm. almighty and turn from their wicked ways uh, things that they know are wrong Confess sin. I I used to be so racist, not toward blacks, but toward Arabs. Wow. Hated Arabs. Hmm. That's why I joined the Marine Corps. I joined the Marine Corps the day after the baby bombing. Wow. And I hated Arabs. I wanted to kill them. And you can see videos on our website or our youtube page where we're my wife and i have a house in iraq a safe house where we're taking muslim children in who had just been orphaned their parents killed and walking with them and feeding them and dancing with them and holding them at night you know uh, including our children two of our teenagers hmm. that we brought one summer to iraq holding and playing with see, and uh and the and they would ask me muslims would all ask me and they still do. Why are you here? What are you what are you doing? And I just say, Well, God loves me. He gives me a love for y'all. He changed my heart because I used to just want to kill y'all.
0: Wow. And, you tell him uh, that? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Talk yeah. about keeping it real. Well,
1: he, 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 the first time I met the gentleman who was a uh, thought leader of over 300 million Muslims and whatnot. We said, do you know the first question I asked him? What? Because it was a very specific mission. I flew in Iraq and got out in, in uh, 72 hours because of the risk of this. I said, I went to him, the first question I asked him, I said, sir, do you want to cut my head off? Wow. And my, interp- my, my, my interpreter who had worked for Delta and I had a very good security team He looks at me, and goes, I do not think this is the good thing to ask. I (laughs) said, ask (laughs) him. And he asked the guy, and and we call him the professor to keep his name out of everything. The professor leans back, and he just started laughing. He said, why would I want to cut your head off? I invite you here to speak to you. Why would I want to cut your head off? I said, well, that's what we're seeing on the news. Because it was right in the heyday of ISIS beheading people. And I said, you know, that's what we're seeing. See the power of media, right? And he goes, I want to meet with you. I said, well, I'm interested. Why? Because, you know, this is, he goes, we've watched you for two years. And you care about our children. He goes, you are a man of the book. And you care about our children. So I want to help you. And he did. And, uh, just between me and you, cause I know no one else is watching this. <laughs> he, he, one day he asked me, he said, would you like to know where an ISIS training camp is? Wow. Said, well, what would you like me to do with the information? If you give it to me, he said, these are very wicked men. Wow. Very wicked. He said, they should die. I said, "All right, I know. I have some friends who that's what they do <laughs> for a living, and uh, man, and we help hurt the feelings." So you know,
0: again, I all because I you were loving the on to. the kids for years, Absolutely. and he took notice. He couldn't help but notice. Yep.
1: So that's that's you know what's going to make the difference in our country with people who are hurting. 'Cause I, I believe with all my heart that a lot of hurting people, um, and again, you know, I am willing to be misunderstood to try to get a solution and help, but I, I think a lot of hurting people in the black community, uh, you know, they're transferring their anger. Yeah. Uh, it's a no, transference of anger. Yeah, bitterness. Culturally it's justified, it's very justified. But I think that the truth of it all it's it's not it's not righteous. That's it, right. It's it's uh it, it and they're very nefarious groups. I got a I got an encrypted text today from um, someone who uh, is the um, he leads uh, the he guards a very well known uh, person overseas in a Muslim country. He is the he's in charge of the guard. Uh, and he just said, Victor, he said, you do know there are other, there are other groups playing into this trying to destroy America. Hmm. It's an insurgency. And I said, yes, I, I, I do realize that. Wow. And I really hope Americans wake up to understand it's, it's more. So what do we do? We We must address pain and trauma for people who've experienced certain things. I've experienced... You, you know uh, uh, bad situations with law
0: enforcement and me too and
1: so I get it
0: right I mean yeah not just the uh, time I was not just the time I was pulled over for drunk driving but I've been pulled over for no reason you know profiled and pulled over had a gun pointed at my face and I walked away from every single one of those things because I didn't resist I had nothing to hide and I said yes sir no sir yes ma'am and I complied. And I don't hold any ill will towards the police.
1: And that's the reality. That's why when people go, you know, you know, I don't know why the black community is complaining. And I go, well, there's experience that would give them, you know, uh, and, uh, but then we get in trouble, the pendulum swings all the way. And everybody goes, all, all police are battles. Like, well, you got to stop that. That's nonsense. Um, Our team had come back from Iraq. This wasn't long ago. And we were in a hotel and hotel security got a little excited. They called law enforcement. They came because I have security guys and me and my wife and we carry, I mean, it's it's all legal, but we uh, we have very, uh, very significant reasons why we do and how we carry ourselves, right? But anyway, boom, boom, knock on the door. And one of the officers was a young guy. Who knows, he may have been a training kid and that may a training, but he got, aggressive and uh, I mean talk about unprofessional and he really just was humiliating me in front of my wife so and so and when she opened the door she's like what's going on he starts yelling at her get out of here you know and it was bad it was a bad situation. And I wow. just had come back from Iraq. So you know I I was you feel a little wound tight be, and I was just like hey and thank goodness I prayed because I could have I mean i i i could have launched into you know whole highly hell against this guy
0: yeah an emotional response But i just
1: thought it was very yeah and you know all i could tell him was hey i'm one of the good guys i don't know what you you know you don't know you run and thank the lord that the older officer he said what's your name And he goes were you ever had a certain police department training guys and i said yes he goes didn't you assist with the arrest of a guy as a civilian that and you were awarded a, the chief of police like special civilian said, uh, yeah he goes and i'm sorry stand up and i was like okay and then the young guy <laughs> you
0: know his face white uh, blood drawn from him like, dude. <laughs> he thought he had blood found high himself high high a big-time drug dealer or something with all the ammunition and stuff. He thought he found himself. Oh, that my way.
1: goodness, yeah. And everything legal, because the moment he, the moment, you know, he's like, well, I said, hey, I know why you're here, uh, and that we we shouldn't have an issue, but he just got to So, you know, people do have reasons because of life experiences. Right. And again, you, you get a seasoned... You know, order officer. He's he's there for solutions. And hey, you know, let's. Uh, but that's why it's so important. I go back to you know, good training, good leadership, fund them well for what they need, um, and and so that that when they start making their encounters and contacts on the street, they they don't have a an, an insecurity and a fear that right. they have to, you know. yeah
0: they can't be responding out of fear no no
1: or ego ego. so yeah
0: or ego well i agree with you 100 percent my brother i think that we need a heck of a lot more special training that our officers need to go through uh i i'm stand with and i support all of our brothers and sisters in blue we need uh we need to support them with better funding better pay uh, and, uh, and then hope that they do what you said, hold themselves to a higher standard uh, above everything else. I- I'm really interested in your training facility in Colorado. I'd love to bring my wife out there and spend some time and go through your training course.
1: Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we're, we're finishing. It's I mean, it's, it's kind of incredible. I'm not going to lie. This, this is something that's new, and um, our instructors are all seasoned uh, special operations guys with experience. And uh, we're there. If people have the will, we'll give them the skill, both hmm. mentally, physically, and spiritually. Um, and I look forward. You know what? We'll we'll give you all a little VIP package for you and your bride. We'll take care of you all really good because you do a lot for our country, man, and I appreciate it.
0: Well, thank you. Thank you, Victor. I look forward to that. So I am Victor Marks is your website. That is where they can get your book. That's where they can find out about your ministry. I hope all my viewers and listeners support Victor in his fight. He's doing amazing things, not only in this country, but around the world. He's got a heart of gold. He's got a message that God is using and we need his message so much right now. The history that he has, his upbringing, what he went through, what he overcame and how he overcame it and who he gives credit to is exactly the message that so many Americans Americans and people all over the country, over the world, need to hear. So I am Victor Marx with an X, M-A-R-X, like you see on the screen. Uh, unless you're listening, I am Victor Marks.com. Get to his website, get his book, and maybe join me if uh, if you can. In Colorado, I'm definitely going to be checking out your training facility there, brother. I, I would appreciate the uh, the the tour. Whatever you do, give to my wife and I. I know we'd love it. For, I know we'd absolutely love it.
1: Uh, It's going to be great. Looking forward to it. Love
0: you. Take care. Stay dangerous and full of God's love. Sounds good, my brother. I will. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me. I'd love to have you back on again. That was an amazing, impactful and insightful uh, uh, episode, but I I think there was so much more to share. We were really starting to get into some stuff too towards the end. So I'd love to have you back on again soon. all All right. Let's do it. All right. Sounds good, my brother. God bless you, man. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. So friends, there you have it, man. What an amazing story. What an amazing story of overcoming adversity, being tortured as a child. And now he literally saves women and children in some of the most dangerous parts of the world. Victor Marx is a true American hero. Friends, this episode brought to you uh, also by mypillow.com. My pillow, a true patriot. Mike Lindell is a friend of mine. He's somebody that absolutely is not bowing to the politically correct uh, left individuals in their narrative. He's somebody that is supporting individuals like me in our fight to bring the truth to the masses. His sheets are incredible. I have them. I love them. I have his pillow topper, his or excuse me, his mattress topper. Uh, absolutely love it. It's like having a brand new mattress that's even nicer than the mattress that we've had for a couple of years that was not cheap. Uh, but uh, love his mattress topper, pillows. I love his pillows. Uh, his sheets. You can get and everything comes with a ten-year warranty. Uh, it's it's all amazing stuff. So go to my mypillow.com and use the code David you'll save up to 60% depending on what you choose you'll save up to 60% when you use the code David at mypillow.com so go there today support Mike and you're also supporting my show and my podcast and please spread the word share this podcast with 10 15 20 friends help me spread the word about the message that I'm trying to bring that you're not going to hear on the mainstream media God bless you we'll talk to you all again soon bye-bye